That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion Yeah, sorry I was late. Speaking of snow pants, my toddler um, went to the bathroom mid-change, which is always... uh, (laughs) How old? uh, A year and eight months, nine months. Okay. Yeah. We... Oh, dude. I feel your pain. We have like a two and a half year old. We started potty training him like at the beginning of the summer. He was showing all the signs and we were like fuck yes, like, we're going to do this. This is so good. Like, uh-huh. we're going to do it better than the th- we did it with our first kid. And even though he showed all the signs of being ready, he basically refused to shit in the potty for a solid five months. So it was just, like, five straight summer months of pants shitting in the park, <laughs> on the playground. Like, it was so demoralizing and so yeah. awful. Anyway, this is all to say it's not a good time and I feel your pain. You're basically saying you're, it won't get better. You're just, you're no, just no. Like, it will get better, but you might have to just go through fucking hell to get there. The first time I had to change her, my introduction to changing, she like projectile shat. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this new life that I have now. Yeah, dude. No, it's, This might be too much for me. It's a trip. None of it's dignified. It's really, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. But the amount of shit that you deal with. But like we're almost out of the woods. Like I would like he's he's got it now, and I would say it's mm-hmm. like six months before he's just like doing his thing, and we no longer have to worry about a diaper or anything. Like it's just okay. smooth sailing. I'm looking forward to that. When, when did you not feel like, not, not to hijack this podcast trip to do, to do uh, parent talk with yeah, yeah. Uh, Joseph Chapison, but welcome to parent, parent talk, folks. Uh, <laughs> when did you not feel like a new parent? Or do you still feel like, because I'm waiting for that moment to not feel like it just happened. It's now, we're coming up on two years. I still feel like I've just begun. I think I really started to feel it when we had our second because okay. everything gets so much harder. Like it gets, it's not twice as hard. It's like three to four times as hard. And mm. I think at that point I realized that like, even though it was like hard from a time management perspective and like trying to spread yourself, you're, you're just spread so thin, but like I knew what I was doing. Like everything didn't feel scary or foreign or you did, I wasn't worrying about the same worthless shit. Whereas like before, mm all these decisions felt so meaningful. And I was like, oh my God, if yeah. I do this and this and this, and now I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like if they're happy, if they're loved, if they're whatever, like it is going to yeah. be okay. But like, I think you feel really new when everything feels really scary because it's so unknown. And that goes away a lot after the first one. Okay, right. Because I was, yeah, the first nine months, it was like every decision is life or death. Yeah. Now it's not. It doesn't feel yeah. quite like that. So I think I think uh, I'm getting better. Yeah, dude, it gets it gets easier. Like two is still really hard. Like once they turn three, three and a half, like it really like you can kind of step back a lot more, and it's beautiful. Like and two is beautiful too, but it's just fucked. Like our two and a half year old is a maniac, and like <laughs> yeah, you just like they're they're just unhinged narcissists, you know. 
not doing a great job here is selling me on the second child thing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, okay, wait. I You've w- not sold this well. It's not sellable for the first two years to three years. Like, it's really, oh, okay. it's fucked. It's like you do it and you're like, what have I done? But right mm-hmm. now is this moment where my two boys are starting to become friends with each other, like really tight. That's, that's beautiful, yeah. That's when you're like, oh, okay, like, I get it. Like, and they're taking care of each other. They're playing. There's so many inside jokes. Like, it's the best. Like, it's really that beautiful. That sounds amazing. But, yeah. you know, you're still all, you're tired and it's crazy, but it's, it's beautiful. Okay. All right. Well, you did, you've, you've, uh, you've redeemed it. Okay. A little bit. That was, that was good. I think you turned it yeah. around a little bit. It's I'm like still a great terrified. TV show that starts off really slow. If you can get past the first two, three totally. episodes. Get through the first couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah. Season three, they get a new showrunner. Things really start to pick up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Track right. five is really where the album takes off. You I'm know? telling you, though, do it. It's great. It's it's great. Okay. Or maybe don't. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome back do to it. losing or my maybe don't. understanding to- <laughs> of what this podcast is. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Babies. We're going to rapidly switch gears here. I have an embarrassing confession I wanted to get off my chest this week. Um, oh, you have a you. Disney background? Is you haven't listened confession? to my record. No, I listened to it quite a bit, actually. But <laughs> It's a great record. I love that record. Oh, thank you. I got together with my buddies recently. Yeah. We wanted to watch something funny. We ended up putting on uh, Freddy Got Fingered. Ooh. The Tom Green movie. I actually, I think that movie's funny. Yeah, I it's think good. we're all on the same page, apparently. Like, I yeah. took everything at face value and just thought it was I mean, great. Roger Ebert gave it zero Daddy, stars. Daddy, would you like some sausage? It's like so reviled, but I, I think it's aged wonderfully. I once saw an interview with Tom Green where, like, the interviewer is trying to sort of, like, take the, not take the piss, but, like, get a dig in and basically be like, your movie's been like panned universally. Like <laughs> really hard. What do you have to say yeah. to this? Yeah. And he was like, I got paid $5 million to make inside jokes with my friends. Like, what have you done? You know? And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. my God, it's so good. Like it truly is a movie that's like made for him and his buddies. Yeah. I just thought it was beautiful. I loved it. He also, look, I would also say that I think Tom Green is the the seminal like where where like Jackass came out of and CKY yeah, 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 yeah. and all of that stuff that basically shaped Eric Andre all of sure. it would not exist if it wasn't for Tom Green's Ottawa cable access show in the mid nineties yeah. yeah. full fucking stop I mean, even like Tim and Eric and so like some oh, like the non comedy thing that, yeah. that came from that do you claim do you claim Tom Green is a Canadian. Like, Hell yes. Think, what are you talking he, about? Okay. All right. Hey, I'm just asking. He is. So, because you know, there's like. He also had organized. Was it organized rhyme? Yeah. Organized rhyme. Oh, was he's a genuinely group. good rapper, right? Totally. And like, but like, you see that show. And even now, like, you know, there's some stuff where he's kind of like making fun of people, maybe in a way that wouldn't age particularly well. Nope. But like, those jokes are amazing and weird. Like, the whole bit where he put a cell phone and a dead raccoon and then offered somebody a cruise ship cruise. A lot of dead animals in his A lot of dead animals. But like, it was an amazing show, man. I think he's a genius. When I used to watch it as a kid, because I was like on the younger side when it was out, I think I was a little bit frightened of it. You know, like sort of the way I felt about like Tales from the Crypt or whatever. Like I'm I'm interested in this, but I'm watching something I'm not supposed to be watching. Yeah. Totally. Make your daddy proud. I do love Rip Torn too. I, I think yes. I, he, I believe he's in. He's a great foil. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we got us. We got to start the show. This is losing my opinion. It's a music <laughs> podcast. Believe it or not. Uh, is it? I, I am Tom Green admiring 
indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I'm Tom Green remembering now indie musician Vin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. And I am Tom Green loving Canadian musician Joseph Shabison. Yeah. Indeed you are. Welcome, Joseph, to the podcast today. Happy and to be just here. for those uh, listening who are not in the know, you're a wonderful Canadian multi-instrumentalist and composer. Uh, you've contributed to such projects as Diana, Destroyer, and The War on Drugs. You also have a wonderful catalog of ethereal instrumental solo albums. Welcome to Hell is genuinely one of my favorite listens of 2023. That's one of the best records of Thank last you. Year, or this year, actually. This current year. A wonderful, it. funky, ambient, skate jazz, good time. So everybody, <laughs> please welcome the Saxman Supreme. Joseph Jackson on today. <laughs> and that's how you, that's your nickname, Yeah, you know, right? I feel seen. Actually, it's what I introduce myself as. It's not even a nickname. I think of you as like a musician's music, musician. Do you think of yourself in that way? Or is that like a, is that a weird, no? No, I mean, I think that's an ultimate compliment, but I think I have my own musician's musicians, like like friends or people that I know or I think of them as like that thing. So it's hard to see myself in that way because I'm like, well, I, I can't be that because my friend Tom is that. Or like, you know mm. what I mean? There's all, Everyone has right. somebody else who they think is the best version of that thing or the musician's musician. Right, right, right. Because you have your own voice and then you're also able to merge it with other people's in a way that's seamless. You know, like I'm thinking of like the Rye Cooters, Nikki Hopkins, Colin Stetson, you know, mm. like like these folks that can sort of sit in their own worlds and then in somebody else's and it's no problem. Like that's when I, when I see musicians, musician, like I think that's, oh, interesting. that's that definition. I, I feel like you you fit really nicely there, like where you have your own voice and you can also bring it to other people. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I love, I love collaborating. I think even on my own stuff, none of it would be possible without collaboration. So I think like because I operate from a standpoint of wanting to play with other people, I think that, <clears throat> collaboration comes easy. Like, I, I love it. I really, it kind of is the most exciting part about making music for me. Well, I would easily love to talk more about your, your musical misadventures for the next hour, <laughs> but unfortunately, I have a segment I'm going to bring in now. We're, we're okay. going to change Ooh. gears again. <laughs> Got a topic to cover here. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, this might be a little dangerous that I'm bringing this in today. Um, this could be... Uh, Tricky to handle in the right way. Oh, wow. Oh, God. I mean... Okay. It's, just, it's just in time of the holidays, too. You're going to do some controversial... Well, no, this is coming out in January, so... <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Gone. Yeah, so that's totally fine. Yeah. <sighs> Look, there's no easy way to say it. I'm going to talk about jazz today. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I don't, know that, I don't know that... Thomas, me and you, I mean, Joseph, I'm not speaking for Joseph here, but, like, I don't know that we are any kind of authority... No. To discuss this. No, I'm not. That's my whole point. I'm a dum-dum who loved Freddie Got Fingered. I have no qualifications <laughs> to dig okay. into this meaningfully. Right. I have a certain avatar of a person that I'm speaking to today. I, I believe, I don't think either of you necessarily fit in this category, but I, I believe this could describe one of our listeners where you know that, like, theoretically, jazz is worth getting into. There's probably something there that you could really connect with. But it's it hasn't worked out so far. You keep losing interest. You just, it's not clicking. It's not connecting. So I'm I'm talking to that person where they're they're open. Oh. They're curious. They don't they don't know where to go, where to start. I love it. And I'm going okay. to make the very bold, unheard of argument that 
what you do is I think you start with Miles Davis. So we're going to be talking about him specifically. Okay. Okay. I don't I, know if I agree, but I, yeah, I love it. I, I, <laughs> I would say that the re- the record that drew me in to some jazz, and again, I am a Philistine, oh, yes. true sense, uh, Black Saint and the Center Lady, like that record, I fell in love with that. Who's, I can't, I, it's, it's been harder. The Charles Mingus album. It's been album. harder for me. Yeah, it's a, it's okay. a Mingus uh, record, and it's like wild and chaotic and... Um, yeah, that drew me in, but yeah, I can't, I can't say Miles Davis was the one that, that opened the door for me. So sorry to shit on your argument right off the bat. I I disagree with both of you. I both agree and disagree with both of you. Maybe I should understand the, the, is the question whether or not Miles is the way in, or are we just talking about Miles? I mean, we're pretty much just talking about Miles, but I want to talk about why, in my mind, he's like the emperor of jazz and how he's got so many different qualities at different periods of his career, which spans, as you know, decades and decades that it's like, I think it's as good as, as good an introduction as any to be like, well, look at, look at this guy and what he did start from there. If you, if you're confused and don't know what else to do, that's, that's where I'm coming from today. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I would just say to both of you. So, okay, I will go on about Miles till the cows come home because I sure. think he's the shit. Like, I I've, I love his albums and he's been a profound influence. But I think maybe, like, the Minguses, the more far out, like, psychedelic Miles stuff is a really cool intro point for people. Yeah, like, I think there's, like, a, a weirdness and a strangeness and, like, an exciting element to those records where I think people who are maybe like looking to get more experimental in their tastes and find a way into jazz can enter there. But I think you will never truly appreciate jazz until you uh, listen to singers. I think singers are the ultimate like entry point because everything that Miles did wouldn't have been possible had it not been for like, the American songbook and standards and like learning those songs and then reinterpreting them. So like as an entry point, maybe I'm with you, but I think big picture, in you have to like go further back in order to like understand why Miles is as insane as he is. I mean, totally. Yeah. You can't, we're talking about a whole genre of music. It's like, okay, I listened to the seventh symphony. I get classical now. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Done. <laughs> Check. Yeah. Check. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Yeah, no, it's, it's absurd. But I'm just saying, if you want to just get something off the ground, there's right. there's so much here, and there's so many. Like you said, you got the psychedelic stuff in the late '60s. You know, as we know, he eventually went electric. But then you got his his orchestral orchestral stuff in the '50s, the Gil Evans collaborations. You got a ton yeah. of things going on. So I'm, with I'm like, you. well, I'll elaborate later on. I, I want to start by playing a song. I'm going to play a song from Kind of Blue to kick things off here. I'm going to play okay. All Blues. Yeah. So basic. How dare you? So basic. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Joe, I'm sure you'd agree the secret sauce of Kind of Blue, for me at least, it's Bill Evans. Oh. It's basically ah. what if Bill Evans and Miles Davis fucking, like Bill Evans is like my favorite pianist in the genre, I think. So. Absolutely. and I'm, But I mean, I think the secret sauce also is just like that ensemble is cuckoo bananas. Oh. Uh, every part of it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's perfect. But. So, Matt, you, is this one fresh in your mind? You ever heard of this kind of blue? I have, yes. Yeah. Do you like Sergeant Pepper? 
Oh yeah, I, the, that's Beatles, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles, right? <laughs> this so this was already his twenty eighth album, which is fucking insane. To is me, that true? Yeah, that's how wow. that's how jazz that's works. Uh, Nineteen fifty nine. It was like over the course of like three years or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's top to bottom, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on. I'm picking this one because it's, yeah, you can play So What and it's got the amazing bass line. This is like, there's a whole range of emotions that I, I think this piece conveys. Mostly like, to me, it's the sound of like cautious optimism. Mm. Like, I don't know, with the piano in there, it sounds like you're about to take flight. I, it's it's pr- stupid to sum it up in words. So why don't we, uh, we'll take a little listen together. Do it. The first Miles Davis record I listened to was On the Corner. And I was like, what the fuck, <laughs> the fuck? is this? <laughs> Yeah, dude. yeah, there's a lot of those moments with him. I don't know why, but that was the first one. I think the ultimate, like the one that actually fucking rocked my socks, like truly floored me in a way that I had never been floored by music before was when I heard Rated X for the first time. Oh, you know that? get up with it. Yeah, well, yeah well, it's the first right. track. I, I, okay. I don't want to get too uh, ahead okay, of ourselves sorry. here. Let's, uh, we're, we're staying in the 50s still. Everybody's okay. clean cut, suits, the whole the whole thing. <laughs> All blues. Uh, And again, this isn't like, "Mm, stroke your chin and think, ah, yes, smart people doing uh, interesting things that are in it. No, this is like, can you enjoy this and just put this on and get into it the same way that you just genuinely, unabashedly enjoy anything else, anything in the pop genre? This is like, can it just connect with you where you're like, yeah, I'm jamming out to this. I want to get to that point. I don't want to be stuck in um, just appreciating it for what it is. I want to get into a different headspace. Uh, with the listener today, if possible. Okay. Uh, Starting with All Blues. This one, Tinlier? Yeah, I mean, this is pretty beautiful. <laughs> that piano thing in the back is, is my jam. Pretty special. It's, you know, it's taken its time. In certain ways, it's very simple. It's not throwing like everything in the kitchen sink at you. It doesn't sound like a band falling down the stairs. But it's it's not just like super straight ahead and you know predictable melodically. I just wonder if like because this has been played so much in like Starbucks and stuff like this, if to like <laughs> the average listener this has actually become kind of like jazz music. Do you know what I mean? Where if it's like... Oh, shit. Like, I think it's right. the heaviest shit in the world, but I do wonder if, if the, the kind of Blue Air Miles has been played so much because it's so beloved that, like, it's shit, actually yeah. nothing to most people. Oh, damn. 
then it becomes a question of can you take the challenge early on to don't treat it as background music. Like, can you put it on and just actively listen and like muster up that patience or not? Because I think you got to switch your your uh, the gears in your head then, if that's the case. But I think like that's this is sort of the question is like if you're looking for an entry point to jazz, I don't know if if kind of blue is where you can start. I think it's almost you need like yeah, I think you need to be grabbed more or something. Like it needs to feel All right. it needs to feel wilder, and then you go back from there. Versus starting there, because I think listening to that, like, for me, I'm like, oh, this is a warm bath. But, yeah. like, if you're talking to, like, Joe Schmo, who hasn't ever heard jazz, they're probably going to be like, sounds like jazz. That's exactly Next. what happened to me. That's what happened to me. I heard Black Saint the Center Lady was like, what the fuck is this? I yeah. heard Ornette Coleman, yeah. uh, Shape of Jazz to Come, was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, work my way backwards. And then it didn't sound like, you know, like an elevator situation totally uh i approached it differently but it is funny though like because you know like thomas i agree with you like that that to me is like it's it's the ultimate but because it was so popular yeah and overplayed in a way as much as jazz can be i think people hear that and it's so familiar to them that it just sounds like nothing so without the context of before then sure. people will be like boring. And then if you start maybe after, you can work back to it and be All like, right. oh, wow, that is amazing. Okay. I'm not going to contradict that theory. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll steamroll right into my next pick then. Okay, hit us. I was going to... So, all right, Footprints, another jazz standard. Which version? Well, that's the thing. I was going to play a little bit of the Wayne Shorter, the original version first, as an example of jazz I don't connect with. Yeah. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's just play a little bit of Wayne Shorter's version of Footprints. Wayne Shorter, one of the all-timers, saxophone. Uh, He wrote this piece. He wrote many of the compositions that Miles Davis made popular when Shorter was in his band. One of my heroes. Yeah, just an all-timer, of course. But I don't really listen to his solo albums that much, personally. Uh, One's like, uh, so it's... The original version of Footprints. You're gonna change the- up your segment, Joseph. Wow. <laughs> the original version. I'm a dummy. I, I want to watch. I want to watch Tom Green like whip out a sausage and go <laughs> ding dong. I'm not here to like study jazz for at a conservatory and know everything. You want about the jazz it. version of that? Yeah. So Wayne Shorter's version of Footprints. It's I can already I can hear this and know that it's a great composition. Yeah. But there's several qualities about a, a recording like this that I'm like not for me. Uh, it sounds dusty. It's got the beat a little more, which that's boring to me. We'll get a minute of it out of the way here. I just want to, and then compare and contrast to Miles' version of this tune. Into it. But let's let's get the the shorter version out of the way here. Cool shit. You got that bass line. Alright. So you 
enough of a sense there. Yeah. What's going on? The Miles version, I'm like, oh, now it's on. Like this is this is happening. And I think I wonder if this is an example of what you were alluding to, Joe, where it's like it's more experimental, it's a little weirder, it's a little edgier, and can yep. get away from the 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 Starbucks effect for the listener, maybe. Okay. So uh let's 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 swap over to uh Footprints from, I guess, the same year, which is nuts, but uh, this is the version from Miles Miles, uh, the Miles Davis second grade quintet rocking over this. The drummer's 17, 18 tops. It's insane. Shit's happening in this one. Let's check it out. One sounds a lot more sinister to me. feeling about the difference in this version i mean tony makes a huge difference that's for sure tony williams on drums yeah yeah i mean it's exciting it's, it's more exciting i mean i think there's both have their merits but yeah like i think if i think that band had a magic to it that I think, you know, Wayne's solo records also had a magic, but it's less immediate than the Miles band. Like with Miles, it's like, it's just explosive. And it, you always feel that like tension, like anything could explode at any time. Mm. And with Wayne's version, that's not the case. Yeah, you're just kind of chilling out a little more. <laughs> yeah, it's more subdued. I mean, so Miles Davis, the trumpeter, obviously... You know, there's a ton to say there that I'm not really qualified to analyze, but he's great. But really, him as a band leader, just like you and you and you and you do all this stuff. It's got my name on it. That's like, that's where it's happening in terms of my, like, you know, admiration of his music. Whatever that live performance, like uh, on TV of doing So What. And like literally half the time when Miles isn't playing, he's just, you can see him like talking to some guy in the corner while John Coltrane's going off. Like the guy was just there to like get a bunch of talented people together, have great tastes and like put the fear of God into his, his musicians, uh, I imagine. I would counter Am though. Am I oversimplifying it? I just think you're underselling how incredible he is. Like when you well, listen to the way, yeah. no, no, and a soloist and a lyricist, like, like, sorry, like as a lyrical player, like sure, sure. when you hear Miles play ballads, that is truly a thing of, absolute beauty and i think that like jazz was much more muscular before that like you're coming out of bebop and you know you have like players like dizzy gillespie and roy eldridge and charlie parker and it's like it's a very notesy muscular playing Mm. and then you have miles coming in 
with these absolutely like heart-wrenching renditions of ballads, like old standards. And it was truly revolutionary. I think it changed things up in a major way. And like, yes, his like his strength as a band leader is like unparalleled. Like he's really one of the greats. But I would also say like when you hear the way he solos, it's fucked. Like you hear those <laughs> live in Europe things. Like this was right before Wayne joined. There's there's um I forget what the album is called, but like it's when George Coleman was in the band. And they're playing like a lot of the same repertoire, but uh, t- you know Tony and Herbie are in the band, and they really didn't like George Coleman. But like you listen to Miles soloing, and it is mind melting. Like how rhythmic and high and free, but like the lines are just so immaculate, but also feel like explosive and exciting. Like I think what's amazing about Miles, besides the fact that like he basically changed the face of music five times is that he's one of the most unbelievable instrumentalists ever. Like he's so versatile. He could do everything. Like it, it's, he's a, f- it's unreal. He can do everything, but there's so many examples where it feels like he's also holding back or not going a hundred percent in terms of, you know, showing off for the sake yeah. of, his albums, the compositions, like giving space to other people in the band. Like there's so many great moments on an album, like bitches brew, even where I'm like, wait, where the fuck is the trumpet? (laughs) But you know, it's like, there's so much room given all the other things going on. Uh, but it's still all under his purview. It's f- it's truly phenomenal that somebody who is such an absolute egomaniac was able to completely remove that ego when he, it came to being an ensemble player. You know, like he he really could get out of the way in a profoundly meaningful way. And I mean, yeah, he's it's I I yeah. Like it it gives me shivers just to think about how good he is and what he was able to do in the short time that he was alive. Like it's it's mental. Yeah, what's so you're gonna love my my next and last Uh-oh. pick then. This was recorded only three years after what we just heard, but it could not be. It's, it's miles away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> honky Tonk. Oh, good one. From uh, Get Up With It. So the song Honky Tonk, I guess it didn't come out until 74. Crazy that the song was shelved for four years. But this is uh, talking about going in another direction. I'm like, what the f- <laughs> how do you How do you end up here? Is the idea of like jazz fusion being like a punchline or like oh that's soft safe stuff or cheesy like is is that even a thing of the past now like or did that do people not have that perception anymore i feel like it's come around again yeah i was i've been listening to weatherport report pretty fucking heavily these days sure and i mean they're one like, of the best examples of of the genre yeah. yeah i mean there's a lot of cheese too but like i think that when it's done right i wouldn't i guess it is fusion but like uh, get up with it is it's weirder than fusion. it's fucking yeah it's it's the most it just I leave it to Miles Davis to have like the weirdest most extreme kind of enigmatic version of a new genre like oh yeah what the fuck is going on and get up with it period like but, I don't know if we have time <laughs> but if we can play a bit of that first song like to me that's it's like 
I, I, I've never heard anything more relentless. Is that and, when he loved him madly? Am I thinking of that? No. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, Rated X. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one is... He's playing organ on that? He's playing organ. And <laughs> yeah, I just insane. think like that that song to me, I think if I could pick like, you know, five songs that changed my life and not to be a cheese dick, but like that song changed my life. Like I didn't know music could be that until I heard that and it rocked my world. And he's not even playing the trumpet. He's just, you know, it's like organ and then like really wild, aggressive mixing moves. But like, it's special. All right, so I was going to play Honky Tonk. Let's listen to Rated X now. I okay. Mean, come on. I appreciate let's, let's, it. Yeah, let's land on that. I was played this song on the very first tour I ever did. This was in 2008, and we were driving across the prairies in Canada, and my friend Kieran, who I've since like uh, made tons of music with, he was playing drums in the band, and he was like, you know, you should check this out. And I remember driving across the prairies, and it was just like open, like flat, open landscape and he put this song on and like yeah maybe I was ready for it or whatever but like it it rocked my socks it was just like it changed the way I heard music yeah this I remember this one being a highlight from what is a double album yep. uh, yeah this, this tune is like so maybe six seven years away tops from what we just heard uh, yeah. if the listener wants to keep that in mind rated X uh, let's let's check this sucker out here I'm hearing this for the first time. I don't know this. Oh, exciting. like if Count Dracula really got into cocaine. I don't think they play this one at Starbucks. No. <laughs> Come on! Pause there. Let's stop. So it's out there. Yeah, Joe's throwing it's up perfect. his hands. <laughs> that was wild. That's wild. Um, I really enjoyed that. That was I, I. You know, you said relentless. It is about as driving as music can be. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so angry. You know, like it's just yeah. such an angry, fucking punishing song. Like it doesn't let you. Doesn't let up. It just doesn't ever let up. It's more metal than most. Totally. Metal. 
<laughs> yeah, man. What year was that? I was uh, that came out seventy four. It was recorded. Wow. Yeah, somewhere around that time. Yeah. This. All right. So I, I feel I feel like I was vindicated here a little bit. I feel like I'm onto <laughs> something with my argument for today. <laughs> this is just like to anyone who decides to get into jazz through Miles Davis or through Mingus or through Ornette or whatever is like once you get a bit of a taste for it and you like it, I would say go back to the singers and, you know, listen to, I think a good entry point for someone that's really easy to listen to is like the Chet Bakers or, you know, Mm -hmm. Ella Fitzgerald or Billie Holiday or whatever. And once you learn that old American songbook and the way like they did it, I think it reframes everything that came afterwards and makes kind of blue so fucking hip, you know? But I think without knowing what it was coming out of, it can just become what it has become to most people, which is jazz music, you know? Like yeah. this yeah. is just what generic jazz sounds like, but it's the farthest thing from generic at all like it's incredible but i think without the context of what came before it and what was happening it becomes less profound so like if you are into jazz or you get into it i would urge people to you know find singers that they like johnny hartman and coltrane albums are beautiful tony bennett like honestly frank sinatra i listen to so much but like that's sort of where everything is coming out of is that American songbook and all of those songs that got reinvented during like the bebop era and before that and then into like the kind of blue era, those were all just show tunes, you know? And that whole history is wild and exciting. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a big project, but one that is, is ultimately <laughs> yeah. worth it. It is, yeah. Just do that. Yeah, just do that. Devote your <laughs> life to that. it. <laughs> Check do it out that. every day. <laughs> Uh, lastly, one little special shout out for the Bill Evans album, You Must Believe in Spring. Oh, God. Uh, his cover of, yeah. uh, like, the MASH theme song. Ah, okay. All right, got it out of my system. Too much. Uh, Shabson, what have you been listening to this week? Losing my opinion. Okay. It's what I have not been listening to that is uh, the topic yeah. for today. I have this thread with my closest musical friends. Like, closest friends, musical friends, whatever, but, like, these are all musicians, and the thread is called For the Love of Yargle. And Yargle was a term, and I'm not sure who invented it. It might have been my friend Tom or Robin or Felicity. But it's basically like their word for like demented vocal affectation. Like vocal affectation <laughs> that goes so beyond the pale that it it's like stupid. In this case, I think it's something that we all kind of shit on. But it's called Yargle. Y- Yargle. 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 How do you spell Yargle? Y a r g l e. Okay. Like gargle. Like but, gargle, yeah. but Yargle. And the version of it that I and I think a lot of us, you know, we get like riled. There's a trend among I I find predominantly younger women, like sort of in the like 18 to 26 year old range, where the general vibe is to, is to sing like a sexy baby, like uh, a sexy oh man, baby with a speech about, impediment. I think I know. I think I'm oh, right so where. So Christmas. You have yourself 
very little quiz, man. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. And that's it's what like, I'm thinking. You know, like they might do some like acoustic cover of like a Rolling Stone song or like a classic song, but it's just vocals and they're talking like a weird, like sexy baby <laughs> with a speech impediment. And I'm well aware of the fact that I'm a 41-year-old man and I don't want to be this like curmudgeon who's just shitting on something that a young woman is doing that I don't understand. But I've thought about it a lot. Like, I'm not just, <laughs> like... People make fun of this, though. Of that generation, people make fun. You see it on TikTok, on Instagram. Like, people totally. of that age group make fun of yeah. this. So this is well, not, like... Well, no, no. I would say people of, like, 30 to 40 make fun of it. But I don't think okay. 20 to... Or, like, 18 to 30... They're on board. I think they're on board. Fully. And uh, it will kind of come through in my examples. Well, they but, don't listen to the show anyway, so... I mean, I hope they, I hope some of them do. I want, I want, I want them to tell me that I'm wrong. But like, so here's my theory, and I want to, I'm curious what you guys think when talk about it. But my theory is this: there is a history of Yargle, and I think it started, like, I think it started as far back as, I mean, my first example is going to be Billie Holiday, but I think it really became solidified or started to solidify in the early 2000s with Feist. Mm. But oh, wow. I, I, I think Feist is actually, I mean, I love Are you sure her. you're not just confusing it for French? <laughs> Positive. <laughs> is, so, but I think Feist started it, but I think her affectation is brilliant. But then I think it got exponentially amplified as time went on to a demented state. And yeah. I think, and this is where my theory is, this is where my theory is that I, this is where we were talking about it with Andre and Sandro and Bram when they were here recording, I think Yargle is a, it's a fake vulnerability mm. that actually masks true vulnerability. So like you're singing this song and you're singing it like a sensitive widow baby and like you're being so precious about it. So the it gives the aura of being sensitive and thoughtful, but really what you're doing is the least sensitive and thoughtful thing you could do, which is you're masking your true voice. You're putting on a mask. Covering yourself Instead up. of being like overtly emotive and singing like yourself and singing something painful as you, you're assuming this persona of this sensi sensitive, sexy baby and you can <laughs> sing it in that way and you don't actually have to be vulnerable because you're not yourself. Your sexy baby yargle. And, yeah. you know, I think it exists in all genres. This isn't like exclusive to young women. Like there's like the mid 90s emo yargle. I was going to ask, is Creed guilty of yargle? Scott Stapp? Well, it's making me think of uh, Nirvana. You know, it's making me think of, what's the difference between Kurt Cobain and Puddle of Mud? You know, like there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's not that much distance and yet it's a chasm. Between that is, Kurt Cobain yes. and the lead singer of Puddle of Mud. It's like, you know, Feist, like there's the whole backstory of like, oh, she blew out her vocal cords. And there was like, there's something that there that's, it's not an affectation. It's like out of necessity. Yeah. And she still gets the authenticity in there. And then it's, but the difference between her and then what you're talking about is like a, a chasm for somebody who looks to music for authenticity. So I, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Yeah. And I think about it in relation to Nirvana because I, I'm not the biggest Nirvana fan, but everything that came after was brutal. Uh, but they themselves are 
authentic. Even Pearl Jam, like look at Eddie Vedder's right. Yargle. <laughs> like, I think you're right that Nirvana feels authentic, but it's its own weird Yargle, but somehow gets a pass. But then I even think Pearl Jam gets a pass, but like what came out of Pearl Jam with like Creed and all of those types of bands, like that, like, yeah, like yeah. that whole thing. That is yeah. its own male dude. Male Yargle. Yargle. It's the Margle. male. Margle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, but like, what's the difference really? Like, what is the difference between Kurt Cobain and that? And like, I think it's about buying into someone's authenticity and I, for whatever reason, I believe that Kurt Cobain was authentic in the way he performed those songs, whereas other bands aren't. I would love to hear, when you think of Yargle, what, what's a prime example? I'm ready to listen to- Well, uh, let me give you a prime example, and then maybe we can go back to the other examples. So the first example I would say of like, absolutely fucking prime time Yargle <laughs> is Olivia Rodrigo singing on Saturday Night Live with the solo piano ballad. Oh, man. I've not heard this, so I'm excited to... And I will also say, like, I have no beef with Olivia Rodrigo. Like, I don't think it's the most... Yeah, we don't want to start the, yeah, yeah. the Chavez and Rodrigo... Uh... People have been waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think she's doing her thing, and, like, while it's not what I listen to, like, I'm stoked for her and it and all of it. But, like, when I heard this, when this got sent to the thread, I was just like, God damn it, this sounds fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, All so right. this is this is it. I'm excited to, to hear. I, I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. It is a a uh, non gender specific yeah. sound too, because I feel like I've heard everyone kind totally. of do this style. Like I I've heard. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a guy who I was trying to find in our thread, but I couldn't do it. Who's like the male version of this? Yeah, and it's you're right that it's not like they, who's that guy. Um, who has the full costume with the black feather headdress and make makeup and he sings on picnic tables and that emo yargle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh man, that sounds crazy. I do not know what you're talking oh, about. It's, it's crazy. But like, he's like a crazy extreme version of it. But the, the sort of like sexy speech impediment version, I would say while it is not exclusively gendered, I find that I hear it the most in young women. Like it's mm. it's a way of singing that I think has become so prevalent that it just is how a lot of young women sing now. It's not like, I don't even think they think about it. I think they just think that's what you sound like when you're a young this woman. This is what sing. emoting is. This yeah. is how to emote. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Whereas to me, like what I hold in high esteem is different from this. Like when I think about an emotive female singer, like, I mean, even Feist, you know, I hear her singing. I'm sure. just like, wow. You know, like or I think about Joni. I think about like all these women who I just like, like even Caroline Polachek is like a modern oh, example. Sure. Where yeah. It's like, she's wild and she has her own Yargle, but it's somehow more thoughtful than this, which I think has become quite generic. Like Caroline Polachek is like, She's on her own fucking wild cosmic Yargle grind that I love. But like <laughs> I'm on that Yargle grind. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know, does this Bjork per- have Bjargle? <laughs> Bjargle? Oh, yeah. oh that's very good. But you know what though? I I have often thought a lot of Yargle comes out of people trying to imitate Bjork's affectation. She's she's in the mix for sure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but hers is just an accent, but it sounds so fucking good. <laughs> Yeah. 
Anyway, let, let's play. Let's, let's, let's do Vampire here, Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, I've only heard the song from Olivia Rodrigo where people were like, oh, she's ripping off Elvis Costello. And I'm like, well, let's see what that's about. And I heard it. And I was like, no, nah, she's not. This is fine. Also, this is for teenagers. But I was like, all right, yeah. I, the, the kids are all right. This is this is not yeah, bad. Yeah, like, you know, this is, it's a song. Like, yeah. it's not what I want to listen to, but I think she wrote a great song that is like a classic song song. And like, fucking A, you know? I just don't like the way she sings it. <laughs> All right, let's 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 check this out here. Vampire. Hate to give the satisfaction asking how you doing now. How's the castle built of people uh. pretend to care about just what she wanted. Look at you, cool guy, you got it. Was this mic to be like a ASMR? Yeah. Like, what is that? You know what? Maybe she's you know, been listening to too much Andy Schaaf. I was going to say, it's super yeah, Andy Schaaf. Schaaf. <laughs> Andy Schaaf is, is the, yeah. Yeah, that, Andy's got the... Peak male Yargle. <laughs> Andy Schaaf's male Yargle. Her piano playing's good. Remember we did the podcast where we had Emily on, yeah, and I was saying that there's a certain vocal style that she hates, and it's and it's this. I didn't I didn't define it as Yargle. I didn't have that uh, vernacular yet. Thank you, Joseph. But you're welcome. I we played her uh, Regina Spector. Who's this? Oh, Regina Spector. I mean, you can pause it. She has it. some like of that yargle. We got. We got yeah, I think idea, we get yeah, it. Yeah. I think we yeah. understand that. It's like that. It's like why say I when you could say. Oi, like, oi. oi, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's so weird. You know, I can't do it. I don't have that talent. But, you know, that's, yeah, the that's talent. full Yargle to me. Like, that's hey, not New even... Year's resolution. Learn to Yargle? Yeah, new year, new me. <laughs> but okay, so from... If that is a prime example of what I would consider overt, but also pretty, like, tame Yargling... Classy Yargle. Um, it's a classy Yargle, mm. you know? I, let's go back to the OG, like, and this is, I think, me trying to say, like, you know, affecting your voice has been happening forever. Like, let's, so listen to this Billie Holiday song, and I think you can kind of be like, yeah, like, she's pronouncing words weird to great effect, like E-F-F-E-C-T, but, like, she's also affecting them in a strange way, and for whatever reason, I've bought into that authenticity, like... When it becomes generic, it also it, like there's something about it that becomes phony and yeah. more in terms of like more in line with what I was talking about, where like you're masking vulnerability by putting on a like a mask of sorts. But like Billie Holiday's yargling to me, but it's brilliant. It's her. Yeah, like it's, she couldn't sing any other way. There's no choice. I would imagine. She just gave it her all. You know, I even wonder about that. I think she probably could sing another way, but I think she chose to do this, and I think it's incredible because it's unique. Nobody else was singing like this, whereas I think what I'm talking about with Yargle, there's a uniformity to it. Right, it's part of the genre. Yeah, it feels disingenuous. It's like, it's a costume. All right, so this is Billie Holiday. I'll be seeing you. 
1944. Is this one of the tunes I have to check out for my jazz homework project later? 100%. There's yeah. homework, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time plus Yargle equals authenticity. And jazz appreciation. I think. And jazz appreciation. Isn't that a broken social scene song? I think that was on You Forgot It in People. Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. devastatingly beautiful i mean i went into this list trying to listen for yargle and um you know it's just amazing from an outsider's perspective yeah uh it seems like the difference here is that it's being employed in the service of the song in the service of particular emotions it's not consistent it's not every single yes. syllable that it's happening mm. it's happening in artful places it's it's artfully dropped to stretch a word to make it fit so that they can emote in a certain way yeah. as opposed to every single word it's it's being dropped and it's like you know i don't know no I'm yeah, with it's you. the difference between it's it's the kurt cobain versus puddle of mud thing it's like do you have to gutturally scream every word you have to rasp every word or just the ones where it makes sense to push it you know Mm. yeah i think you're right i think that like because it's being employed in specific situations but there's not a uniformity to it yeah it's it's while it might be like technically a yargle in that like she's really dramatically changing the pronunciation of a word it doesn't feel trite or silly or disingenuous that's the word yeah i think we keep using we keep saying authenticity it's hard to even disingenuous is hard to break down what that means but like that i think makes should make sense to anyone if something is disingenuous or genuine that feels genuine yeah because i I think it's one of those things like you know and i think everyone's looking for different things when they listen to music but what makes me excited is when i hear somebody who is like presenting something that feels new and different like where there's like these aha moments of like holy shit like how did they do that or why did they go there but when i hear like olivia rodrigo and some of these other examples like it sounds like a fucking cell phone commercial like Mm. or it sounds like a bunch of shit that you've heard before only like maybe a more extreme version of it or like the songwriting is good like this is the thing like that songwriting for the Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo song, I think, is really There's good. There's something there, yeah. Like, she wrote a cool pop song, but in her performance of it, like, 
she almost did it dirty because, like, not financially, not for herself. Like, obviously, I'm only speaking for myself. Like, people fucking love her, but for me, and me, who's looking for in something, someone who's looking for someone who's presenting a unique voice. I think in her yargle, she robs that song of the opportunity to be unique. Mm. It just becomes a really good version of something that everyone is very familiar with. Well, I guess the Yargle has become safe, right? Yes. I immediately, I heard it and I was like, I can't, the, the uh, Olivia Rodrigo example, it's like immediately shut down. Like I hear a voice like that, it just ruins the whole thing for me. And I, I don't think, we're obviously not alone in that. We're not everybody out there, but it's it's a shame. No, I mean, like, listen, like, there, I think you were right that there are TikTok, like there's TikTok accounts that parody Yargle. Like I could send you Instagram links because we've sent them, but it's like, you know, like, it's it's a thing. But it's sad because, like, I mean, again, back to my original point, what it does is it prevents somebody from being authentic. But, okay, I'm also going to, like, contra- not contradict, but, like, I think about learning saxophone, right? And when you learn saxophone, you learn jazz, the way that you learn jazz is by lifting people's solos. Like, you... You copy their phrasing, their tone, their notes, and you get completely inside that player's headspace. And the idea is you embody them and then you internalize it and you make it your own. And I think like with a lot of these singers who are yargling is they're kind of doing a version of that. But what's sad is that I think now more than ever, there's this um, people like don't want things to sound different. They want it to be familiar so I think like rather than internalizing the Yargle and breaking free and doing their own weird fucking thing that's unique, it just ends up, there's like a uniformity to it. like Stifling. Yeah, like it, it, they embody it and they just become it instead of embodying it and changing it. And yeah, that makes me sad for music. Mm. Don't be the Yargle. Don't be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Yargle is, the Yargle is a tool. It's not a, it's not a doorway, it's a tool. Yes, yeah. that you employ every so often. But like, if you're always yargling, you know, like, you can't, it's, it's just bad. It's lazy. Yeah, don't make the yargle your master. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, would yeah. like to, I would like to hear one more example of the yargle if okay. you had anything so else. So if we're going to go one more, because I think Feist is not a good example because I think she's, she was a gateway, but she was very much not in the yargle camp. Uh, the Let's example, go full yargle. <laughs> Full Yargle, this is like, oh God, it's a nightmare, <laughs> is the other example that I sent. What, what is it? Uh, I hear, oh, Tainted Love? Yeah, just is it a cover to this of Yargle. the featuring Queen D by Trinix. <laughs> is this full? Uh, so I'm getting a headache just trying to root, decipher this. All right, so this Electro Posse, is this like EDM or something? No, you'll hear. Okay. Uh, it's like, it's like a cell phone commercial. Okay. Trinix, in all caps. Yeah, when when pop music started fucking with the capitalization, like some artists are all lowercase, other it's all capital. It's like ah. I'm oh yeah, done. there's a, I can't also like the that. like Mastercraft where it's like all capitals but also no vowels. That's yeah, it's it's all annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get ready. This is what's gonna. Go. Get psyched. Sometimes I feel I've got to oh, this run fucking song. away. I've got to 
Ukulele. Oh yeah, the ukulele really adds an element. It's just, this is H&M. Yeah, uh, totally. I can't tell if this is the YouTube ad or for watching the video <laughs> that follows the ad. I mean, uh, listening to this, I'm also struck by the fact that, like, I think Sia was a big gateway. Uh, you know, like, Chandelier and, um, like, I love Sia's music, too. Like, I think it's cool, but, like, yeah, she was a big gateway to like full Yargle. When she's not singing, this is not bad, but it's, it's kind of just background music, commercial music, yeah. Yeah, it feels like what you'd hear walking into a clothing shop. Or like what you'd hear for like a insurance company ad. Oh yeah, are we getting some, some Yargle in those nationwide is on your side? I think it's creeping into those. <laughs> that will be, I think that would be the death of Yargle, I think, is when it well, then it's coming no. gets to commercials in that way. It's I think already, already in commercials. It. There are already people like doing covers. Like it's again, young women doing covers of classic rock songs, but acoustic guitar, ukulele with the Yargle that have been in like Super Bowl ads and all of it. And I think this is part of the problem with Yargle is that I think there's a generation coming up who aren't rebelling or something. Nope. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, they want they want to be part of this sort of music that they hear, but the music they hear is on TikTok and on cell phone commercials and all of this thing. Instead of being like, what's fucking cool and weird and new, it's like, how can I sound the most like what already exists? Yeah, it's an assimilation thing. Like there's less of a, um, like you had to be fucking wild and different to break through before and now I feel like I mean that still exists. There's still amazing shit. Like music's the most there's so much exciting music in the Goes world. Goes without saying. Yeah. But like in the mainstream, the move towards uniformity I think is really wild and saddening. And I think Yargle is a product of that move towards uniformity because people just try to emulate what they're hearing instead of being like, how can I make this new and different? And then the industry rewards that. I will say, yeah. though, thank fucking God, Taylor Swift does not yargle, I don't think. She doesn't yargle. Wow. She's the queen. We all know. That'd be the end. That'd be the end, I think. She's, she's That'd be the a, last... an apocalyptic moment in art. <laughs> she's the last uh, wall of defense against yargle taking over. When Taylor Swift is your last line of defense, I think <laughs> we're in bad shape. Yeah. <laughs> It's not great out there, but <laughs> anyway, I I would also say like I don't know like I what, even he, talking to you guys about this like I do recognize there's like an old man aspect to this hot take, yeah, and like it kind of bums me out. And as much as like I've tried to reengage and like you know try to find the good, like I can't do it. Like I just this is this is this is it. Like this is the. <laughs> barrier that I hit where I'm like uh, I've aged out like I 
I don't yeah. like this. Yes, yes, and no. Because Billie think Eilish music, doesn't really yargle, does she? She full yargles. I can send you a bad video. guy. Really? Wow. I guess well, I don't it's, know it's, enough. It's of not like an Olivia Rodrigo yargle. It's less of that speech impediment, sexy baby. But like, there's it's a ASMR vocal, feeling. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. It's an ASMR like breathy yargle that I think is. It's different. I like it more, but it still fits that. Fits still not what we're aiming towards. Yeah. Right. I think it's if the songwriting can transcend it, like it's fine. If the songwriting of the arrangement or the lyrics, like if there's some element that can transcend it, because like you think about like, you know, this is, so, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm thinking about like Jonathan Richmond or whatever, where it's like, you know, road runner, you know, like there's that bullshit, like, you know, this, and I do love him, but like, you know, there's this, even in the CBGB scene, which we, we talk about authenticity or whatever, like late seventies, like a lot of those dudes, like yeah. Lane or whatever, like they're kind of sharing a sort of common language way of singing, but um, the music behind it was interesting enough where whatever commonalities they shared in that language, it was fine because it, it all turned out unique in the end. But I think if the songwriting is, is rote, and also, yeah. it has that the sexy speech impediment. It's just all it flattens yeah, it totally. And I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the CBGBs thing because you're right. Like there is such a yargle to that time and that scene. But what's interesting, I think, also is like there was there was no commercial interest. Like none of those people thought they were going to make money doing what they were going to do, and they happened to. But like they were singing that way almost as a fuck you to what was happening in the mainstream. So like. Right. There was a inherent authenticity because it was like almost like a choice to not make money. Exactly. Like it was a fuck you <laughs> to everything that was going on. Whereas the current Yargle is more of like a like please accept me. Like I'm yes. also the sexy baby. Give, I'm the Give me a piece of the pie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I think like it's that move towards uniformity and to try to like conform to something versus bucket that makes it so depressing is like, it's just like we're going closer and closer towards everything just sounding the same. And like, mm. I think people aren't even asking themselves anymore, like what's the authentic way to do this or what's the weird or interesting way to do it. It just becomes like what it is, you know, like Talk mm. Talk used to chart, you know, like yeah. Kate Bush used to chart. Like where oh, yeah. are those people? Yeah, yeah like that Kate Bush sort of the, the, the rise again rise and rise of kate bush should really just be an example to all of us of just like yeah yeah you should just stick to your guns like totally you know, i mean or even <laughs> it can work out even carolyn polachek you know like i mm -hmm. i was listening to her latest record but like i've been a huge fan of hers for years and i think like chairlift yeah like she's been trying out so many wild vocal things that are just so weird and cool and like She's going for it, you know, in a way that's not trying to conform. It's just like she's letting that freak flag fly. And I think like there's a way to do that still, but you have to want to do it. I bet it'll come back around. People are going to get yargle. Uh, Yargleitis? What's the Yargleitis. People Yargolitis. are going to, they're going to get deadly. yargle fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Just like we got that post grunge. Creed male yargle fatigue. Well, it's something yeah, else to come around. We're in a that cycle. Yeah. That's right. true. We'll see. I'm we'll less see. hopeful, but I'm glad <laughs> that we talked about yargle. This is a yeah. this will be a contentious episode. I think we always talk about like, oh, we're gonna have a controversial. Like, we had we had some segments today that I think were particularly this one. I think you know there might be a reaction. I this. hope so. You know, like I I also hope that somebody 
can tell me why I'm just a fucking typical old dude who's wrong. You know, like I would love it if someone can recontextualize Yargle to me in a way that makes me go like, oh shit, maybe I am wrong about that. Like, I don't. Uh, maybe I don't, this doesn't sound annoying. Exactly. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be a crotchety old man. But like in recent years. There's a couple of things that I've run up against that make me feel like that in a very overt way that I really can't seem to get past. And I mm. think this is one of them. And I think a lot of them have to do with the sort of uniformity of pop music because I love pop music. And I think when I see it becoming this depressing monoculture, that mm. bums me out, you know, because it didn't always it wasn't always like that. But we're moving towards that. And it really like it strikes a nerve. Mm. Anyway, prove me wrong. I think, yeah, the yeah the, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Deliver Joseph a pro Yargle please innovation I'm playlist. I'm ready for the rebuttal. <laughs> I'm sure, we'll get it. Uh, yeah, I I learned if we're talking about what we learned today, I learned what to call that stupid fucking effect. Yeah, that I'm I'm yeah, gonna pick I'm it. It's like I'm gonna pick it, it out all the time now. I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it. Yeah, Whenever I mean, I keep in out. mind, this is nobody else calls it that except for me and like five other friends. But <laughs> it's going to spread. We can disseminate it into the world. Twenty twenty four word of the year, I think, is what we're going for. <laughs> that gonna, would kill yeah, it. That would Webster's. effectively kill it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, thank you for letting me talk about Yargle. Hell yeah, this was <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I am. Uh, we're we're going to wrap it up here, but I'm wondering if anybody has something they want to plug. Oh, at all. resting for the holidays, new music in the new year. Well, this this episode's yes. coming out on January seventeenth, oh. so I will plug the if it's coming out on the seventeenth. I am playing a one and only full band CD release show CD. How this day? I'm dating myself. <laughs> album release show uh, in Toronto with an eleven piece band for Welcome to Hell at the Transact. So, oh. if one of your listeners wants to come up and check it out, that'd be great. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, uh, I got to switch into outro mode here. Um, sure. Anyway, oh, I'm having a total brain fart now. Just fucking, <laughs> this takes this one minute good. to wrap it up. I got to find good. my way in here. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and subscribe uh, so you never miss a future installment. You can go ahead and follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or X. X. Yeah. It's a place to that's be. All about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that place to be. Yeah, not at all toxic. <laughs> I made the argument today. You want to get into jazz somewhere? All right, just go to Miles Davis. Start there. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, maybe you're right. I just think the entry point is rated X. <laughs> Start there. Easy, Start easy there. pickings there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joseph, thank you so much for yeah, man. doing this with us. We hope to have you back someday soon. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you for chatting. Have a lovely holiday season. No, and that already happened. Oh, All right. uh, I hope you had a great holiday season. <laughs> and uh, hope, so long, suckers. I, we'll talk to you soon. I hope your kid doesn't shit on you again. <laughs> well, that's a sweet message. Yeah. That's a sweet holiday message. I'll leave it there. <laughs>